Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week is episode 41. Our guest is Piper Lindeen. I'm joined by co-host Lauren Simpson this week because Austin Zamhari, he's out on vacation. He's out in beautiful Daytona Beach, enjoying the beach out in Florida. So Lauren Simpson is joining me again this week to co-host. So my guest is Piper Lindeen. She has a master's of science in medical cannabis sciences and therapeutics from the University of Maryland. She's actually one of the first, I believe she's in the second class to graduate from the university in this degree program. So it's a very new thing and we're glad to have her here. How is everybody doing this week? Great. Awesome. And Lauren did not unmute herself. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was supposed to. <laughs> So happy to have you on, Piper. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me. We're glad that you you could take the time out to talk to us this week. It's been this is interesting, and it's such a new program. It's I don't think many people have heard about it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I heard about it uh, through Kelsey. Um, one of the fellow advocates and um, she posted it on her Facebook page uh, a few years back. And uh, I was interested. I feel like this is my path. You know, when you have a background uh, like I do with my son, it feels, it feels like a path you're supposed to be on, you know? (laughs) Describe you. We were talking before the show started about, your background a little bit and the story with your son. Could you elaborate on that for those who are not in the know? Sure. Um, My son, um, he's 14 now. Um, When he was about six years old, well, sorry, about five years old, he started having uh, generalized seizures and lots of different types of seizures Um, with pharmaceuticals. uh, Things just kept progressively getting worse. Um, And we were told that he was going to soon lose his ability to speak and, you know, more regression to follow. That is what is what we should expect. And so I looked to cannabis Um, at that time. It took about a year to uh, it took a a full year to get a license uh, to have CBD in Colorado for a child. And so that with our support system here in the Houston area, that was really out of the question. You know, our lives were difficult with his epilepsy. He actually has Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which is is quite a severe epilepsy. So, um, you know, I tried to figure out what to do, found uh, David Mapes's uh, recipe, Epsilon Essentials recipe online, um, which Steve Elliott uh, had published in Toke Signals. And um, procured some basically just weed and started cold extraction of that uh, in order to make him THCA tinctures. Uh, the THCA tinctures, the first batch I made, you know, that article said any any uh, high THC strain will do. Uh, so I just got anything, didn't pay attention. Um, it worked perfectly for him, though. The whole time he was on it, no seizures at all. Um you know, the regression that we were witnessing before um, he started gaining skills back. And then at the end of about six weeks uh, on that tincture, um, 
we ran out, had to make some more, made some more, uh, and it didn't work as well. So uh, we had, I had to go through the process of uh, figuring out what to do. I reached out to David Mapes, reached out to some people and many activists in Texas and um, got a lot of help on how to figure out what what chemovar or what people call strains now, you know, I'm educated now. So I call it a chemovar though, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, had to do a lot of uh, using of my primitive senses, you know, my nose to try to figure out which terpenes uh, were high in the different strains. And this was, you know, on Leafly, there was really scant knowledge there about terpene profiles and things back then. And also networked uh, across the United States with lots of other moms to figure out what was working for them. And um, eventually, after a year and a half, figured out which Kimovar worked best for him again. And we've been progressing and relapsing and progressing and relapsing and trying to figure out stuff. And where we're at now is which, um, which chemo of our slash strain would you say has been working out the best so far? Um, stuff that's related to chem dog. So um, we had the best experience for him uh, with chem 98, but you know, this is, I don't have technology to really see if it was chem 98, but you know, every time there was something chem, it generally worked pretty good. I'll about to ask if there was any other strains, the chem bars that had been particularly effective outside of, you said, chem 98. Um, chem I would say like sour diesel is a pretty common one, um, was was a really uh, pretty effective one. It wasn't as effective as the chem dogs. Um, but, you know, I got to the point where I, I kind of figured out that, you know, he needed a, a lot of beta mercine in his uh um, but, but, you know, and still there's variants, right? Um, I, unfortunately I don't have any notes because I was afraid of, uh, law enforcement action at that time. And so it was just, you know, I would take notes and then, and, you know, just in a scrap notebook and then throw it away because I didn't want it to be used against me in court, you know? Yeah. You want to, you want to kind of make it like a code book. That way, you know what's I happening mean, when nobody yeah, else does. I, I'm not, I'm not that savvy. I guess <laughs> I don't know <laughs> a code book, you know. But what I did work, but uh, I don't, I don't have my notes from everything right now. It's all up here, you know. So. You mentioned a terpene. I was asked if there's been any specific terpenes you've seen more effective outside of Kemvar. I, I would say uh, the beta mercine is probably uh, what I would uh, what I started to look for that it was abnormally high in beta mercine. Now that wouldn't necessarily be the dominant terpene, but um, but things that, that were in general higher than than the norm, you know, than the average. Anything running through your mind right now, Lauren? And she has muted herself. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself tonight? <laughs> Um, tired. Red Rocks was crazy. Um, so do you have any idea why you think that the, be the beta mercine works better than the other terpenes with him? I, I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of research that needs to be done to, uh, to learn what, what terpenes and what combinations of terpenes are, are really the most effective. Um, and it's a huge 
uh, problem to solve because, I mean, just think about the combinations that there exist. If there's, you know, two, more than 250 terpenes and a hundred and nearly 150 uh, cannabinoids, think of all of those combinations that we've got to work through to figure out what works best. Uh, so I listened to a podcast recently, a Canadian podcast where I learned about, um, I had no idea that they have these now. I've been thinking, and I ask at conferences and things, you know, are there any databases out there where people are tracking this? And uh, there's a lot of people really like strain print. Um, It's uh, a Canadian app, uh, but strain prints a a way where uh, providers and patients and caregivers can track which, which chemovars are working best for them. And so hopefully that's going to provide us with all this uh, real world evidence to, to say, you know, these are the kinds of things that treat these things the best. And these are the kinds of things that treat these things the best, but it's a really complex problem (laughs) to solve. Right. Oh, especially so given that it, it's one of those things we've seen where it'd be very effective for one person, but then you give it to another person and it's completely ineffective. Right. And you could have a hundred people it's effective for, and then I don't know where five that it's ineffective. And it just, exactly. we don't know the rhyme or reason yet. Well, I I mean, I imagine some of the rhyme or reason is that, you know, diseases are usually caused by, you know, single nucleotide polymorphisms that sort of create issues. Please please elaborate that phrase for our (laughs) non-masters of science individuals. (laughs) Well, so, you know, a lot of it, and this, a, a lot of my knowledge actually comes from being an epilepsy mom and, you know, getting to know my patient, my son, the best and reading as much as I can. And, you know, a lot of epilepsies uh, deal with, um, deal with transport issues with, you know, so transport proteins like carry things in and out of cells and, you know, they're used to communicate and stuff. So they might have this protein on their surface that, attracts to something and carries it someplace else. So when you have like this single nucleotide polymorphism on there, it, uh, it, it doesn't do it as efficiently as it's supposed to do. So you might have where it grabs onto it, but it's a little more loosely. So like how I tried to explain this to my husband, it's like taking me to a party, right? (laughs) It, uh, it depends on, you know, what stuff I'm carrying along with me, who's there with me and who I see when I'm coming into the room, like if I'm going to stay or go. And so if, if like there's some sort of defect, say I'm bringing my husband along and I think his shoes are kind of embarrassing. I'm just, you know, using this as an example. You just refer right? to your husband and as a defect. That's, that's I'm going to be ready to ditch him. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, Hey, Tracy. <laughs> Right. As soon as I see Tracy. Right. So but I maybe in order to get into whatever the VIP room, you know, to get into the cell, I probably should have been hanging on to Brian. Right. Even though he's got embarrassing shoes and he'll help me get in there. Right. So the passport, it's pretty much it's like a passport that's attached. And without the passport, it it kind of the passport's the information as well. And it attaches to the right thing. Lock and key mechanism. Lock and key. Exactly. And so, so, you know, 
a lot of what we don't know about diseases are which polymorphisms cause the diseases too. So like there's a whole bunch of different polymorphisms that cause Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. And there's a whole bunch that aren't even identified. And same with any other disease process that you have. So there's things that they know, well, this is linked to it. But, you know, that those things, those proteins may may interact differently with different cannabinoids, different terpene profiles and things like that too. So it's really, really, really complex. But hopefully we'll figure it out pretty quickly. We, we just need a lot of funding for all of these years we've missed in cannabis research, right? That's, that's what everybody's needing funding, funding for this. I mean, but it's really not fair that cannabis has been shisted for so long on research. We need to, we need to have opportunity to catch up. You know, it's, there's so much potential there. It's remarkable that we need, we need more funding. We need extra funding. (laughs) I was just in uh, Colorado for the weekend um, and, of course, got to go to the dispensaries. It's been a couple years since I've been there, and the market has changed up in Colorado for sure. The prices have dropped. I, you know, it makes me think that the market is definitely getting more saturated. Um, but the problem that I've always, ha- always had, no matter where I go, is, like you're saying, there are, I have seizures, and there are strains that help me, um, and I can... I can look out, you know, seek out that strain, but it necessarily isn't necessarily same genetic. People don't love sour diesel. <laughs> I, mean, I love sour, sour diesel. diesel. You do? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's, 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 you know, um, it's going to take, I, I don't know if it's more funding or how we get it to where when I say I want orange marijuana. I go and it's the same genetics and I know it's going to have the same effects on me. Like it, it just, it depends on where you get it from. And even the same, you know, dispensary, I can go back and get the same dispensary or same strain and it won't necessarily be spot on. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, the thing is like the analysis of it is, is, is pretty inconsistent. I think that's one of the things that, you know, in order for, us to resolve these issues of complexity, we've got to have a federal, a federal um, medical cannabis program. We need the research, we need the funding, we need to organize our priorities on like w- what we need to get done in order to figure out um, and or in, in in order to standardize things. I, I think that was one of the issues. What why uh, cannabis. <clears throat> was was made illegal, you know, even though it was a, a therapeutic and the American Medical Association actually petitioned against uh, its prohibition initially because they saw the opportunity there. But the thing is, back then, when research wasn't really standardized, when, you know, it's it, it was the Wild West, but we're still the Wild West because we lack this, you know, 80 years of treating it like the medicine that it is. Well, that, that, that really is the biggest setback is we didn't have, we put this in a position where we said, Hey, use, let the science figure it out. But then we also said, don't let the science figure it out. There's no science for it, but we're going to, we're going to, we're slowly, we're slowly rectifying this and we'll, we're going to get this done eventually. It's baby steps. Unfortunately, Right now, though, it is time for our sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. So I'm your host, Jesse Williams. 
I am joined by co-host Lauren Simpson this week. This is episode 41. Our guest is Piper Lindine. We'll be right back after these sponsor messages. Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Sundown shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week it is episode 41. Our guest is Piper Lindine. I'm joined by co host Lauren Simpson. How's everybody doing? Great. I love you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's what about this summer? Let's this this is something we normally talk about at the beginning of the show. You're out in the Houston area. What has the summer been like so far for Ooh. the Houston area? And we aren't even really in summer yet. Well, I, I mean, you guys are getting hotter temperatures already, but our, we're we're due, I think, for above a hundred tomorrow. But um, it's been busy for me. I've been—I don't know. You guys know me on Facebook too, so I don't know if you've noticed. I'm occasionally posting pictures of me doing my siding. I've been doing it for a long time, so I'm working on my siding, and that has me busy and getting sunburnt. You know. <laughs> And um, 
I am getting over COVID. So, <laughs> so oh, it's been a fun year so far. <laughs> you, did you catch like the newer variant? Because I've heard I've heard a couple people getting the newer one, and they're just like, "Yo, this is this is some devastating stuff." Like pink eyes now a symptom. Really, I don't know. I had ear things um, as a oh. symptom, and I had um, a lot of. I would say probably the worst worst chills I've had in my life, maybe close if not right but um but it was only for a few hours so well, okay know. that's not bad i i, I yeah. wouldn't want to have the chills like that for days on end like I'm, we're used uh, to having was, when you get the flu yeah yeah and i had i had uh achy joints but um you know i usually have achy joints because i'm working on my siding <laughs> <laughs> at least have achy joints and not an achy breaky heart Always yeah <laughs> It's just a song that I personally cannot stand any longer. It's been over 20 years. Still, oh, cannot, no. still cannot stomach no, that song. Achy, breaky heart. <laughs> so how did you, you get it up? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we talked about that. We were getting into you being in the program um, mm-hmm. and who brought it to your attention. I wanted to ask, what were, were there any challenges to getting into the program? So I applied to the first, um, the first class, but, uh, you know, to be honest, I thought, I don't know if I want to be in the first class because I thought it's, you know, it's newly put together and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be bound to be working through some kinks. And, um, some of the, the first class said that that was the case. And there were still some kinks that were being worked, worked through, I think during my class, Uh, But it was a phenomenal experience um, meeting all of my cohorts, my faculty, and um, just getting exposed to all of these different aspects that I really didn't think think about uh, exploring in my own personal cannabis education. So, you know, many of us went into the program with, you know, pretty extensive background in cannabis already. Um, and the program really w- was heavy in uh, teaching us how to look at developing drugs and developing cannabis as a drug. So that included um, things like how to uh, make a safe and effective uh, inhalable delivery system. So maybe like a, an atomizer kind of thing, like what kinds of things you uh, you need to you need to be considering when you're doing something like that. What kinds of things you need to be considering when making? Uh, that that know, sparks like, oh, a question for me then, because I've talked in a previous episode about um, inhalables, talking about nebulizer treatments, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. now, did y'all ever discuss a viable nebulizer treatment solution that patients could use? Uh, so uh, y- y- there's still challenges with that. So there's challenges with like the particle size and um, that, that cannabis is, is fat soluble. So there's things that people need to work on overcoming in order to have uh, a safe and, and effective consistent delivery system. Uh, But at, um, at the conference in college station recently, I went to uh, a get together where um, I got to look at a um, a metered dose uh, vaporizer. So some I, I, it, the get together was at um, uh, 
oh gosh, I'm dropping his name. Uh, the the man who owns uh, rare rare earth uh, genomics. Do you know who I'm talking about? No idea, Lauren. <laughs> active in advocacy in Texas, also. I can't. I can't. Think of I, I feel really bad. I shouldn't. I shouldn't bring up but this, uh, this, this meter. Then, but, but this meter does vaporizer. Yeah. So it what it does is like vaporizes and then holds it and um, and then meters it out so that you get a consistent dose of the cannabinoids. Where you know there really isn't a good way to to meter a dose. Um, the the issue with like atomizers is that right again we're looking at cannabis is is fat soluble and it's really sticky right so you can affect it affects the way the dosing is done because fat you know fat and terpenes and oil collect at the at the delivery site so it's a oil and it becomes like you said it's sticky Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's so we also talked about you know how to create you know an effective, uh, what, what to consider to create like, uh, you know, buckle delivery systems, suppositories, you know, kinds of stuff like that. Um, some other things that, uh, we learned that, that were, well, we had, we had to plan a research project. So we went through, uh, you know, coming up with all of the different aspects of, of a research proposal. And we also did an, an instructional design project, which we um, contracted with uh, with an audience where we were finding out where their knowledge gap was and what, uh, what we would teach them and how to close that knowledge gap. So those are some aspects, you know, we did actually learn a lot about cannabis uh, but the thing is, you know, when a lot of us already have that knowledge going in, <laughs> you know, um, but these these are, I feel so invaluable. These these three different aspects of uh, of the program uh, were invaluable in uh, improving my body of knowledge. So I think if anybody wants to have a career in cannabis, it's a good consideration for Lauren, I can see the thoughts crossed at the back of your mind. What's going on? Um, did you do a dissertation? I'm curious what your dissertation was. Oh, we didn't have a dissertation. So it was a, a longitudinal project. It was the instructional design project that was our big thing. So how long is this course normally? I guess I'm used to hearing about students who go through a master's program, usually taking about three years. And it looks like you did yours in two. So did you... Did you just power through it or is it typically a three-year course? No, it's it's uh, five semesters long and it depends on what program. So it depends on what master's program you're going for. Some things are three, some things are longer than three. If you have to write a dissertation, you know, it's as long as it takes you to write your dissertation or or to achieve the goals that you set forward in your dissertation, right? Um, so, um but because this one, you know, had that longitudinal project and there's uh, many that are science based that that don't include that kind of that kind of thing. <laughs> so was, it's just five semesters. Was there anything so popped in my mind about talking about delivery methods and I guess things that you would be treating w- with cannabis? Was there anything that you would say the cannabis community normally goes, yes, treat that with cannabis that you learned in this course? You're like, no, that's actually probably not the best course of act or, or it helps, but it's not as helpful as you think it would be. Well, um, 
I think uh, many mental health uh, disorders uh, is, you know, people tend to treat mental health disorders with cannabis and um, CBD has been shown to be very effective in treating like, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, um, depression, anxiety, uh, but a lot of people self-medicate with high THC cannabis. And I know what I'm saying here is controversial, <laughs> uh, with lots of, lots of people. Uh, but the evidence shows that, um, that it's, it's not quite that great for, you know, and detrimental definitely for schizophrenia and, uh, and I mean, I say definitely not definitely, the research leads us to believe that it's detrimental to schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, anxiety, depression. So I could kind of see that because you, <laughs> with, especially with bipolar, it's called bipolar because it's two poles of emotion. Right. right. We used to call it manic depressive because you had this big manic stage and a big depressive mm -hmm. stage. And mm -hmm. you've got cannabis that can make you manic and you've got cannabis that really calms you down. And when you're in a depressive stage, you don't want to be depressed further. And you're in a manic stage, you don't want to be lifted up higher. Right, right. So like you said, having a high THC amount and considering the chemvar and the terpene profile right. could be a bad thing. That's mix. exactly what it is. And and you know, it's uh, you know, it depends on on dose, uh dose and uh you know, chemovar. What went through my mind when I asked this was um there's been this notion that it's good for glaucoma, that it's uh -huh. it's a great thing to help people with glaucoma and my own personal research into trying to find out if that was true was that short term, yes, but long term, like you need something that would last you through the day for something like glaucoma and right. cannabis in general is not going to do that. You got to repeatedly take doses throughout the day. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things. And, you know, when we're looking at drug design, uh, how and and, you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, the psychoactive effects are nice you know <laughs> who doesn't uh, like feeling good about themselves yeah no for sure but you know when you're trying to function so for me like you know my son was on thca or cbd and i still feel like it may you know but it's hard to tell if it's uh if it's the cannabis or the epilepsy that interferes with his attention and memory but you know, we don't want to medicate a kid with high THC cannabis because they're not going to be able to, I mean, you know, in certain states we might when, when we're looking at the risk and benefit, right? So the risk might be they lose their ability to really remember things well and to have attention and um, again, dose dependent and, you know, we're still waiting on research to see, but, um, well, a lot of that, a lot of that's really weighing out the pros and cons for what's taking place at the moment. Cause like you said, if you're in the middle of a massive seizure where you cannot function and you have right. a high THC content, it's like, well, we need to bring you back to a baseline. And if there's memory loss, that possibly happens with that or difficulty with functioning memory. It's like, well, that's better than being, than not being able to function yeah, at not all. Function right. at all. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, where, you know, there's really still not conclusive evidence again, because of lack of being able to get research approved and um, funding and all of these hurdles, the schedule one uh, causes, 
Um, but autism is something that a lot of people, um, you know, with real world evidence with all of these databases that people are, are sending in, um, autism really seems to respond to high THC. So, you know, (laughs) if, if you have a child who's constantly injuring themselves, nonverbal, you know, can't, can't participate in, in your household. Yes. High THC, (laughs) they would get it from me, you know? (laughs) And luckily for me, like my son has autism. Um, he wasn't very much of self-injuring behavior. He's more towards, and he has a diagnosis of ADHD as well. So I could see where something like that would possibly help calm him down. If you have something that we were talking about is uplifting, that would help provide that stim- that stimulation that his brain is needing for the moment. But I could also understand where, like you said, there's parts of autism that it's very much like seizures where it's you're not able to function the way you want to function. Right. Right. So a lot of, um, so talking about receptors earlier and, and now talking about autism again, a lot, there's a lot of speculation and, um, indication, uh, in the body of evidence that, um, there's an, 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 an andamide, uh, dysfunction somehow in patients with, uh, with autism. So anandamide is, uh, one of our own endogenous cannabinoids. So, um, it binds to, uh, CB1 receptors and so does THC. So, and they bind at a similar like strength. Uh, so THC does function as, as a sort of, functions as anandamide in those situations too can so that's that's what they're thinking is is going on with autism and thc well it is time for another sponsor break we've we've been having such a great conversation we don't it's hard to keep track of time when you're having great conversation you're getting great information but it is that time again for our sponsor messages so i'm your host jesse williams this week it is episode 41. Our guest is Piper Lindeen. I'm joined by co-host Lauren Simpson. I said Austin Zamharry is out for vacation. We will be right back after these sponsor messages. Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. 
Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Williams. It has been quite an episode here at Texas Cannabis Collective official podcast, Lone Star Collective. This week is episode 41. I'm joined by co-host Lauren Simpson, our guest, Piper Lindeen. Wow. How's everybody doing? And Lauren's been sitting there patiently. I know she's got a thousand questions. I do. I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> can we go ahead and like, um, your son is part of Teacup, yes? Yes. Yes. So what has your experience been with Teacup all around? So, um, I, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I like it to be uh, expanded to more dispensaries. I think that's one of the biggest issues in Texas. And um, it drives me crazy that like legislators think, you know, Texas can be served by two dispensaries that are in the Austin area. And let's just be honest, there's really only two dispensaries. Somehow uh, this other, that also drives me crazy. This other cannabis company, Fluent, um, is not providing medication in Texas and still continues to hold a license, even though it's been written into the law that uh, that they have to maintain their uh, their production um, in order to keep their license. That, I don't, I, I, I haven't understood that. I was like, how can you, one, how can you afford to have a license and put all that money into it year after year and not sell anything on top of everything you just mentioned? That, that bothers well, they're me. They're one of the top in Florida. Florida is a huge market. So, you know, they're, if, if they're not really having an operation here, which they're not, they're not, I've tried to order from them to see if they're in business. I've tried you know, a couple of years ago. So they were our first attempted order. And, um, it, you know, it was just a ridiculous experience for us. So um, we said, forget it. We're going to go with the other dispensary. You know, they were the one the doctor gave us the flyer for. They had flyers. Uh, went to uh, Compassionate Cultivation, Texas Original, you know, Compassionate Cultivation, but it was just Compassionate Cultivation then. And I think we were the first Houston area patient, you know, I believe we were one of their first 10 patients. Um, but yeah, um, that did the trick actually for, for a long time. And then, you know, every time we relapse, we would, we would try something else. So 
my son relapsed and uh, doctor said, why don't we give, take this as an opportunity to try Epidiolex because it was at the time when Epidiolex had just got uh, FDA approval. So we did and Epidiolex didn't do anything. <laughs> Unfortunately, it would have been nice to have uh, a $10 a month, uh, you know, cannabinoids for him. Uh, but so then when we went back to the Tech, the teacup, we went back to Certera, had just started then. And then we stayed with Certera, you know, had relatively good control with Certera for a long time. Um, and we've recently kind of started to uh, use Day Gold instead of teacup. So I kind of hesitate when I say, you know, he's part of teacup because. Uh, for the last few weeks, he's just been taking day gold. So, you know, I wanted to see it's more cost effective for us. So I wanted to I see. I take it, it that's a, a hemp derived solution. Yes. Yep. It's Ethan Russo's blends. <laughs> Ethan Russo. I'm like a fan girl. <laughs> he was on my mind because we're, we're talking about brain stuff. And I, I heard yeah, him talking to Noko about your brain repairing itself by using cannabis. I mean, he, uh, he, I would say he's. Uh, you know, top two researchers, uh, top two cannabis minds in, in the world, you know, Dr. Michelin, you know, the discoverer of <laughs> cannabinoids, I would say, you know, is number one, I would say Ethan Russo is number two. I just, you know, he's so brilliant. It's, you know, I, I, and, and, you know, his reading his research, I, I don't know if you've read any of it, uh, Jesse, but it's, it's not like reading other research. It's kind of entertaining, you know. <laughs> yeah, listen, listening to him talk when I was at NOCO, not this year, but the year before last, was entertaining just on how he talks about this. It's not the typical droning you hear from a medical uh, like convention. Like He was actually, it was almost engaging. Like right. He's like, I know the question you've got in your mind, and I, I'm now going to give you the answer, right, as you're probably getting ready to ask it. Right, right. <laughs> So I actually got to have a Zoom with him not long ago, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how well it went because, you know, I'm a big fan. So I was kind of giddy and ridiculous. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of that way anyways. Like I like to have fun. Right. So uh, but I don't know, maybe it was too much fangirl. I don't know. <laughs> Lauren, what's on your mind? Um, so what is your strategy for the next legislative session? I've been behind you, cheering you on for years. Well, um, next legislative session, I think that there's, uh, I, so I was part of a strategy session recently where, um, we talked about finding, um, conservative leadership to author uh, some bills and um, representative Moody kind of came to the conclusion that my representative would be a good person to do that. So I have a lot of meetings to set up, I guess. Um, and uh, luckily, you know, he was a freshman last session. So, um, and luckily his staff uh, changed or sorry, didn't change from uh, my previous representative. So I know people in his, well, so his home office staff stay the same, of course. I mean, you know, at the Capitol, they're changing all the time. But um, so his staff's familiar, familiar with me. So it should, it should go pretty, pretty well for that, I think. Who's um, your representative? 
uh, JC Jaton. Okay, then. Now freshman. Now I mean, he was a freshman this last session. And I don't know. I don't know. I didn't go much this legislative session. Um, you did a very important part. You did. <laughs> don't play it down. I know you didn't go much. But you did a I, very important part. I did part. a lot of crying on the on the last day, and I feel it was very effective. Although, you know, I think that one of the things I, I feel that uh, advocacy is most effective in building relationships and not just at the Capitol. Uh, but I met uh, someone, Curtis Brown. Um, he's really active um, in politics. He knows everybody, you know. Um, he, he did the invocation at an event for Rick Miller, who was my previous, uh, legislator. And, um, and I met him there and, uh, you know, we work out of the same gym. So like I met him and his wife at the gym, I ran into them and, you know, just chatted and we became friends and, uh, he really helped a lot in this last legislative session because he's friends with Brian Hughes. So, you know, he let them know I was coming, uh, you know, in Brian Hughes's office. And this is while we were waiting for, you know, some sort of uh, getting it. Any update. Moving, right? Yeah. That's a, and, on that's, the last day. <laughs> and that's that's why I said, I was like, don't downplay just because you were weren't there every other day or every other week. You well, were there. I mean, you were there hand in hand with me. It wasn't needed. I thought it was going to happen. You know, I was really like what the what are you serious this is not gonna move oh my god i said you were there with me dragging as i say dragging that bill across the line yeah i mean it was yeah so he told them in brian hughes's office i was coming and i went in there and cried and said you know you can't do this i mean really it would have been the death of the whole teacup if they didn't add any conditions like what what company could continue to sustain in Texas if they didn't add any conditions. You know, it's just, I said, what do you want me to stop, you know, start doing illegal stuff again? Or is that what you're pushing me to, you know? <laughs> what keeps you in Texas? Um, I, I have like, I don't know. I'm stubborn. My husband calls me tenacious P. So, uh, um, I don't know. So next time I'm on, you got to do some tenacious D, okay, Jesse? <laughs> a long, 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 long time ago in a town called Texas Poo, <laughs> there lived a Piper Lindine, religious through and through. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I guess, you know, back when I first started advocating and knowing that epilepsy was the first condition to get approved, and knowing all of the people who were my fellow advocates who were struggling to get access and continued to struggle to get access, I, f I felt like I committed to myself back then, I guess, 2015, you know, I'm not going to stop doing this until, until all Texans who need access have access. And so, yeah, I'm stubborn, but, you know, but that doesn't mean I'll turn down a job out of state, you know, <laughs> but I do have, I do have this commitment, this commitment to myself that whatever I do anywhere should be improving the lives of Texas, uh, Texas cannabis patients. So, uh, you know, I would have to, if I were to take a job out of state, it would have to be something that had its reach into Texas where I could make a difference here too. It's my home. I mean, so, you know, it's not my original home, but it's my home. So, um, so. final bit here as we, we wrap up the final segment here, here of our, on our show on the Lone Star Collective, I want to ask you, um, 
Are there any final thoughts you have, advice you want to give to anybody who wants to join this program, the, the actual medical science program for cannabis, the University of Maryland, and any, any advocates, anybody you want to plug or a website you want to plug for people to get information? Oh, gosh. I want to, you know, I already plugged Daygold. <laughs> but, uh, and um, Strain Print, uh, that Canadian, because I, I think it's really valuable. I think this is one of the things that we can uh, get this critical mass with, uh, with cannabis going is for people to be tracking what they're using and what works and sharing that with other people. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, to, to plug my program, the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, it, it was a fantastic program that um, if you're interested, you know, you can reach out to me. I'm open to, you know, connecting with whoever, whomever on Facebook or send me a message and, um, you know, we can talk about it. I'll tell you more, uh, you know, maybe make some introductions you know, but that's one of the things I like to, I like to put people together too. So, um, so, you know, I love to have people reach out to me. Yeah. I feel like you can always use more friends, right? (laughs) Friends, the ones you can depend on friends. I mean, you know, let's just be honest. If we're being honest, you can't always depend on your friends, you know, but you can depend on them to love you, right? <laughs> Not all friends are going to be. It's, our it's better than that Simpsons bit of a streetcar named Marge, where they're like, "You can always depend on the kindness of strangers," because a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. <laughs> so we, we, we appreciate you joining us and giving Thank us your you time, so Piper. Um, come back. <laughs> that is that is going to wrap it up now for episode forty-one of the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I said this is episode 41. Our guest was Piper Lynn Dean. She's a master's of science in medical cannabis sciences and therapeutics. And I was joined by co-host Lauren Simpson. We're hoping Austin's out there having the time of his life in Daytona Beach, Florida. Peace and love, everybody. I hope everybody has a great week. <laughs>